Before we get started today, I want to tell you about a special message I just posted on the Jerry Dearman podcast channel. Did you know that right now we're watching Revelation chapter 12 play out before our very eyes? You've likely heard of the major conflict taking place in Israel, but have you heard about the underlying story behind that conflict? This message not only unveils the reason people around the world are turning against Israel, but it also reveals God's perspective on the overall situation. You won't hear this on any news station. Before you take sides and draw conclusions, I suggest you hear this message and share it with others. It's called Covenant Eyes, and you can find it on the Jerry Dearman Podcast channel. Okay, now let me welcome you to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where we read and talk through a chapter of the New Testament every day. I'm glad you're here because reading God's Word daily will change your life. And I'd appreciate it if you'd help others find this resource by sharing the link. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 3 from the New King James Version, and here's what the Apostle Paul wrote. This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. So let me just say there, a bishop is an overseer, talking about an overseer in the church. Uh, this We would call them usually pastors, but it could be also elders, could be deacons, etc., a uh, number of titles, but nonetheless, a leadership position. Notice this. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless. So notice, long before you get the title of being some kind of a leader or an overseer, you have to know there are qualifications. And if you even desire or let me say it this way, if you aspire, if you believe you're called to play some type of a leadership role, which many of you would be, then the Bible says they, they must have standards and particular standards depending on the level of authority and leadership in the church. So notice this, a bishop then must be blameless. This is the first one, blameless. Now, you know, blameless is a higher level than innocent. You can be innocent, but because you were in such proximity to whatever the issue at hand was, you're not blameless. People say, hey, uh, it probably was him or it could have been him because of this, that and the other and all these other evidences. Oh, we need to be distancing ourselves from anything that even looks like it could be compromise or sin. And so he says a bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate. That means having some self-control and uh, being not excessive in any part of your life, temperate, sober-minded. We might say level-headed, uh, of good behavior, hospitable. You wouldn't think this would be one, but this is important in uh, the body of Christ that we're hospitable to people. We're not just reclusive. We're not just on our own and we just show up to preach and do our thing or whatever. No, but we're hospitable and also able to teach. Now, not every teacher would be or not every bishop or overseer leader would be in the office of a teacher. And not everyone would even have the gift of teaching. But notice this says they all should be able to teach, able to teach. You learn how to teach, not given to wine. 
Very clear, not given to wine. That's just not the life of an overseer in the church. Not violent, not greedy for money. Oh, these are things to avoid. But gentle, not quarrelsome, not an argumentative person. Not covetous, materialistic, wanting things, constant wanting. One who rules his own house well. One who rules or leads his own house well. You can't just be a professional minister and have your own life a mess, your own family a mess. There's disunity. You don't have your own family going the right direction and be qualified to lead in the church. Why? Because you're training and leading and teaching and counseling people how to lead their families well. And if you're not leading your family well, well, that disqualifies you. That doesn't mean that any uh, mishap in the family or any maybe uh, rebellious teenager or whatever automatically disqualifies the minister either. That's not true because every person has to choose for themselves to be obedient and such. But nonetheless, how that leader addresses those issues is important, is important. And so he goes on to say, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? This really reminds me of Eli, the high priest back in first Samuel. And he had sons that were in the ministry and they were doing corrupt things. And Eli even addressed them verbally, but he had them in ministry positions. And he did not put a stop to their wickedness. And God eventually confronted and judged Eli and his whole family uh, for generations because of that. Verse six, not a novice. So in other words, you don't just put somebody in a leadership position who is a novice. Why? Notice this. Lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. So when people get promoted too quickly, they can walk in pride, thinking that they're, you know, something more special than everybody else. And then eventually you have to remove them because of the way that that pride plays out. Verse seven, moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside. What does outside mean? Outside the church. They, they must have a good reputation in the world community, you know, that they're not uh, taking advantage of people financially or doing wrong out there with the world. You can't just put on a happy face here in church and live like the world. No, you have to have a good reputation as being an honest, good person with the world as well. So he goes on to say, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Reproach would be a bad testimony. You have shame on you and the snare of the devil. Verse eight, likewise, deacons. So this is another level of leadership, uh, less than these ones who are the bishops that talked about. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double tongue. So evidently, deacons had had a temptation to be double-tongued. You talk out of two sides of your mouth. You, you please the ones over you, but then you please the ones below you as well. And so he said, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money. See, some of the same characteristics, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. Hold the mystery of the faith with a, poor, with a pure conscience. But let these also first 
be tested. Now, when he says also, that means that he is, Paul saying, this includes the other list, like with the overseers, with the elders, with the pastors, with the bishops. Those should be for, tested too, and also deacons. Let them also first, first, first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. In other words, once again, don't just promote them up as a novice, but let them first be tested. Give them something to do and then give them something else to do and let them be tested for a while just to make sure that they are found blameless. Verse 11, likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanders. Oh, this is important. When a person is married that, you know, typically a man and a woman will have similar compromises. That doesn't mean that they're the same. That doesn't mean that one can't be walking in obedience and the other one disobedience, because that certainly does and can happen. But uh, we should be influencing our spouse to do right. And so he says that the wives be not slanders. So you can tell, by the way, in this setting uh, to the Ephesians in the church at Ephesus right here, that evidently they did not yet have any women who were overseers yet. And of course, in First Timothy 2, he was addressing an issue. But here he's saying the wives must be reverent, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife. That was the same with the other list. Ruling their children and, ha and their own house as well. Watch this. For those who have served well as deacons, obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 14, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. So he's giving some instructions here about how to how people ought to conduct themselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. So there are mysteries. There are things that we may think we understand, but they're they're multi-layered and they're mysteries as how as to how they're established, how they function, how they play out, etc. So he says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. So here it is. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. Of course, it's talking about the Lord Jesus, that God, Jesus was manifest in the flesh and he is God. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen by angels as a man, preached. He's been preached among the Gentiles. He's been believed on in the world and he was received up in the glory. So, Paul says, hey, this is the mystery of godliness. Jesus was manifested. He was godly and he played out the, the godly life of being a human being. He was received up to God. And this is the pattern that we should have, that through the blood of Jesus and through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we can live in obedience to God. Oh, thank God. Spirit, soul and body living in obedience to God and keeping ourselves
under his lordship so that we walk through our lives and we do our part like Jesus did his part. And then we'll be received up at the end of the age and spend eternity with him. Praise God, the mystery of godliness. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.